I don't have an intro today. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the MTG Untapped Podcast, episode 64. I am your host. I am the Micah, and joining me as always, he is my friend. He is also yours. He is Costa. How are you? Feeling pensive. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that, but good otherwise. I'm feeling pensive. <laughs> That's a bad joke. Um, uh, do you have like a, pen, do you have a viral infection? Pen, pencil, <laughs> pen, pencil. I don't know. I have a pen on my desk. I don't know. Um, all right, let's get into the phase in. Talk about something that isn't magic, but is still nerdy adjacent. Uh, have you been able to watch any Moon Knight yet? No, no. My man's busy. I really have been, and in fact, you know what? We are going to watch it tonight along with the Halo series. Uh, if I have access to it, I still haven't even checked that out, but. Um, I finished a big project with work, and so uh, I get to pseudo relax a little bit. Are you going to watch all four? There's, There's four two episodes. Halo. There's two Halo, oh, two Moon. Knight. Okay, okay. I was like, oh my god, where have I been? Uh, I don't know. We'll definitely get through the two Moon uh, Moon Nights tonight. <laughs> moon Knight tonight, and then uh, I'll right. try to get through it when I came with Halo. All right. Well, this will be a brief phase in, and it'll, it'll be a spoiler free. I'll just give you my brief review of both of these things because uh, I've seen both the second episode of Halo and Moon Knight uh, from earlier today as of we are recording on Wednesday the 6th. Um, so I'll start off with Halo. Second episode was all right. It was fairly interesting um, that you learn some more about the MacGuffin um, in a very weird way. There's some parts about it. I was like, this just feels like a more sci-fi TV show mm-hmm. than it does like, Oh snap. We're getting this. Like, like when you, people watch like the Marvel TV on, or the Marvel TV shows on Disney plus or the Marvel Disney plus series. Cause they're not really TV, but they're technically considered that for like categorization purposes or whatever. Sure. But they, you kind of feel like you're watching a slightly lower budget, but like still like a movie. Right. You know what I mean? When I'm watching the Halo, I still feel like I'm watching a TV show. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's still, it doesn't, I, don't, I wouldn't say it sucks at all. It's, it's fairly interesting. I'm like, I'm kind of very interested in where they're going to be going with it. Um, so has you yeah. invested then, which is good to hear at least. Mm-hmm. Okay. As for Moon Knight, that show is badass. Okay. Um, it's like, there's like this, it's a thing you haven't seen before. It's like this, um, it's like Venom meets Batman meets um, some form of comedy. Uh, I don't know. It's no, it's like Venom meets Batman meets um, like Mission Impossible. I shouldn't say Mission Impossible because I haven't seen any of those movies like James Bond or something like that. Well, you haven't seen any Mission Impossible. No. Wow. Tom Cruise isn't tall enough for me. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's moon moon Knight is badass and i am for, through two episodes i like it more than wandavision although the first two episodes of wandavision are the most like what right um except the ending of wandavision was so tremendous mm-hmm. and as also everyone felt like such a sigh of relief after wandavision because it was like we get marvel stuff again after we didn't get anything in 2020 um then uh, I like to, like the first two episodes. It kicks the smack out of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think heard. I like it. I, I I really like Loki, but I think that this is just better than Loki, and it's better than Hawkeye. 
I thought Hawkeye was fun, but I got, and then by the end of it, I got a lot of the issues people have that, and issues that I myself voiced on this very podcast. Uh, Loki's gonna be hard for me to dethrone, but I'm eager to see Moon Knight because I ruined have... the MCU for you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, but I am. I'm looking forward to it, and yeah, based on what I've seen, every, a lot of people. I mean, this is like like overwhelmingly super positive reviews. Um, I got a question for you. Have you seen Morbius? I have not. I've heard it's garbage. Okay. Okay. You seen it? I did see it. Um, I I don't think it's garbage. I think it's enjoyable. Um, do I put it as like one of the best, you know, Marvel movies ever? Of course not, but it very much feel has a, a venom feel to it. Uh, A little less comedy, um, airing a little more to a darker side of Marvel, but, but honestly, for me, it, it's not that bad. Like I, I, as far as like, uh, the dark side and as far as the movie, like, yeah, I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I already have low expectations anyway because of what Sony puts out. And in fact, they've kind of uh, exceeded my expectations, which I mean, if the bar is low, then it's not that hard. But the fact that they're doing that is fine. So I, I think you should go see it. I think you should see it and just figure it out for yourself. Uh, uh, the issues I heard about with it is like, I heard it was edited kind of funny. It was. Uh, like it's just like it felt super choppy. It's like boom, 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 boom. Um, but then also it's like there's all this like, cause like building up off the hype of No Way Home, like this is the next in the Sony Spider Man thing, and like people like, granted this is just like fan theories, just like self perpetuating what they want or whatever. It's like are they gonna give us like Andrew Garfield back as like a Spider-Man in the Sony Spider-Man universe and you have like Tom Holland in the Marvel Spider-Man or whatever. And so like people have like all these theories and expectations, especially because like part like heavy of the marketing is like like you see Spider-Man in the trailer. (laughs) Not like you see you see like a picture of Spider-Man in the trailer. You don't see actually Spider-Man pop up in the trailer. Yeah it was all that stuff is just cut out it was interesting to me yeah definitely definitely you could tell that there were some pieces chopped out um i will give this spoiler i thought that was what was very interesting is in the trailer uh i don't know if you've seen it or not but he uh he's be, he's being up some bad guy and he's like uh oh. huh i'm venom yeah well he's like That's he's right. like venom and he's like no i'm just kidding i'm dr michael morbius or whatever or, mm-hmm. or i'm or i'm your family neighbor's family. whatever he said whatever I, they cut that part out and i was just like i don't know why they cut that part in. so apparently one thing is like like the director of morbius came out like after the movie came out and he's like yeah i don't know what all that stuff was about because apparently because the the director who makes the movie is not the guy who makes the trailers sure they send the footage to the studio and then the studio has a team whose job it is to cut the movie to make a trailer okay and apparently a lot of like the spider-man stuff was added not by the director or whatever i don't know i'll I'll probably watch it whenever it comes out like on a streaming service or something yeah that's fair but then i but yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Glad to hear that. Well, all right, that'll do it for this week's phasing. Uh, untap step. Uh, we have a joint story to tell. We do. Uh, because at Junior's Comics and Cards, located in South Austin, off Slaughter and Manchac, almost almost at thirty five. I was like, that's not right. Um, but then, um, near the HEB, by the way, uh, we held the there was a. Friday night magic event drafting Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Final thoughts coming next week. Um, that uh, we both partook in, 
And boy, was it a crowd. It was. We had 20 people participating in this draft. Um, so it was weird. I packed in and make it all the way around the table. I'm just kidding. We did two pods of 10. Costa and I um, were in the same pod. Sat three seats apart from each other. I think. I think I was like seat five. No. You were two down from me, I think. It was like I was like two or three down, like because we were we were on both ends of our table, like five on each side. Mm-hmm. No, that's not inaccurate because I I had Ethan to my left, I was four, and you were oh, that's right, you were one, I was four, mm-hmm. or something like that. You were ten, I was. No, I don't know. Right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> these are these are details that don't matter. Um, so we did a draft, and um, the MTG Untapped crew pulling the casual six and zero, three and zero each, undefeated on the night. Um. Well, we both had like I had one game loss in my last match. What was your game record? I also had one game loss in the in the last round as well. That's right. You played Mr. Ethan yeah. in your final round. I played um future guest on the MTG Untap podcast, Chris, um in my final match and his hilarious five color pile because someone passed him a uh commie war. Uh, and then he said and then he said he wouldn't play it that it was bad and then he picks it up and i called him out as he was was like you're gonna you're gonna draft it and play it and what does he do draft it and plays it (laughs) so it's like he was drafting all the dual lands but all right this isn't about him he can talk he can he can spout all his nonsense whenever he comes on uh this is this is about us and um but yeah so i drafted i think i first picked uh, the march of otherworldly light now I just started scooping up all sorts of removal, like an intercessor's arrest. The um, what's the banishing light? Touch the spirit realm. Yeah, Is that what it's called. Yeah. Picked up one of those. I like fourth picked a Tamio's completion. Eventually, and then I just started getting past all these sweet red cards. So I ended up in your favorite archetype, red white war warrior samurai things. Hmm. Kind of. I had an absurd amount of removal. I had like two Kami flares. Uh, what's the, what's the what's the freaking the i was about to say scorch but that's um mm, the shock. what's the shock of the oh, set volt, volt surge volt surge. Surge. Yeah. surge i like one of those march of all the worldly light and intercessors rest and a touch the spirit realm and i was just like sitting pretty with so much removal and then i just got in pack three i got past so many threats like two of the signpost uncommons got past me that white rare i right, actually yeah. do i have it sitting over here i think i do uh, I had a scrap welder that I didn't play, but I kind of thought it was funny because I also picked up a uh, dragon spark reactor. And I was like, is this a combo? Do I just run this? And um, the like Azri captains or the signpost and comments, Rizona Azari commander, which was, well, her name is funny because she'd suck as a commander. That was just actually pretty funny. Um, I had an ogre head helm, two Igonjo exemplars befriending the moss, which I still think is like the best white common. Uh, oh, I had a seismic wave. That was really cool. Oh, I had a banishing slash. I don't know how to forget that. I actually cast it and I was able to get the token too. That felt absurd. Here, I'm just going to destroy your thing. Make a two, two for two mana. Uh, what else did I have? I had a foil sunblade samurai. I didn't get any bonus points for having a foil one though. And I was like, it felt absurd. Like cutting my deck down to 40 felt impossible, but we made it happen. Also, had two rabbit batteries. No, I had a rabbit. I didn't have two. I had a, one rabbit battery and then a simian sling. 
and those played very well. Good call by you. Thank you. On the limited primer and the run it back segment. Um, and I suppose just to finish off my story of this uh, epic draft night for the MTG on top podcast crew. Uh, when I was playing Chris in our final, it was game three. It was down to the wire. He was getting his colors of mana. I was very scared because I felt like if my deck didn't win pretty fast, it wasn't going to win at all. And I was able to get a point where I had an Imperial Subduer on the battlefield. And I was, and I equipped it with something. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was the Ogrehead Helm or if it was, it was the Simeon Sling. And I was always able to tap down his blockers away where he couldn't like trade with it. And I was able, like Simeon Sling alone did about six or seven points of damage to him. Wow. <laughs> and it got to the point where I was using Imperial Subduer to tap down his Super Crab, paying the ward cost. And then he was able to play uh, Guardians of Abora or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I attack tap one. I can't. The other one was either or trade. This feels so bad. Top deck rabbit battery. Two mana. Equip it. Just all I cared about was a plus one, plus one. Tap your crab. Your Abora doesn't trade anymore. And then that was the game. I was like, top deck rabbit battery for the win. It was like it was like it was a line that wasn't even in my head when I taught when I drew it. I looked at it. I was like, "Heart of the cards, my man!" Boom. Um, well, I didn't do that. But I was like, "This is a really cool line." I didn't think I didn't think of this until I saw it. Um, and that was what secured me game three in my three and zero match record on the night. How'd yours go? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think I was, I'm as epic as you are, unfortunately. But yeah, the deck was uh, really solid. I mean, I felt like it was going to be pretty good, um, but I think I am kind of amazed myself <laughs> sometimes on on the the decks and the lines I'm looking at. Um, this is a background for mine. It had Fang of Shigeki, Generous Visitor. It had the uh, Bamboo Archer, Capitec Wrecker. Uh, I pulled Jugen, Defense the Temple, Gloom Shrieker, had a Blossom Prancer in there, uh, two Long Reach of Knights, uh, and I even splashed with one White Source um, and like two ways to find it, um, just Imperial Oath, which I don't know, that card has moved up much higher. Uh, I have been listening to Limited Resources lately. But I do disagree with them. They did their little uh, draft video, whatever you want to call it, and uh, they really poo-pooed on Aboro Guardians. And I just, I, I was really surprised um, because every time that I've used that card, I've been thoroughly happy. Grant, I've used it in a way that's like, it's basically keeping me alive. Mm-hmm. And then I get to play my mega awesome bombs. But I was just kind of surprised still some of their comments but again i we've talked about this before how they i think sometimes are a little too harsh on things and and they don't maybe mean to be like oh this card's unplayable but the way it comes off is kind of hard to i I think kind of follow sometimes but regardless um yeah the deck was really was really powerful um i i faced chris as well in the first round and uh i felt bad because yeah his deck uh, he had he had a really good five color deck i mean he you know Chris has a great strength in that he's able to cobble pieces together in those tools. And so it was, uh, I felt pretty bad because, um, you know, my deck was meant to <clears throat> just keep replaying things that are already played and make him discard cards with long reach of night or sacrifice a creature. Basically it got to a point where I was 
for every three cards I had, he had one, or maybe it was really more like four cards to one because of the the difference between him discarding me drawing or reusing cards. So uh, deck was great. Um, yeah, Ethan's deck was really solid too. Excuse me. <sighs> you know, black, white, black, white deck. Um, using some of those uh, triggers for if you have an enchantment and artifacts. Um, definitely feel like I have a, a lot better grasp on the format, especially after winning two weeks in a row now. Um, it, you know, last week I had a black white deck as well, running two of those banishing lights, which and every time you get to trigger them, it's just, yeah, like you said, it just feels amazing. Like kill, kill something. You get a two, two out of this. Seems good. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying, I mean, I'm enjoying the format so much that I, I am going to store like three boxes of this away. Cause it's, uh, it's going to be, it's really, it's highly replayable. Um, it's up there and we'll give our, our, like you said, our, our final thoughts next week, but yeah, it was a great, it was a great night. Um, I didn't get to play any commander. Unfortunately, did you get there early enough to play? I was able to play two games of commander. First one, I played the light pause deck. Um, and, um, man, that deck's a lot of shuffling every turn, just tutoring sometimes twice, uh, your library. And, um, if you're triggering like an enchantress or something, then it's like, all right, I got to shuffle so I can draw. And then now I'm going to shuffle, look through it and shuffle again. The deck was still pretty cool. I feel like if you played it like online where you don't have to like manually shuffle, then it would be a lot more fun. But it was still fun. It's like, I think it's like in the, like it's only a three person pod. So like maybe like a four person pod where it's like, all right, I don't have to be as um, quick with it. Cause sometimes right. it would just like whip back around to me pretty quickly. Um, that uh, it might be more enjoyable in a proper four man casual goofing around kind of game. Um, then we ended up playing a five man pod where, uh, the homie Jessup wanted to see my Atali deck. He wanted to see my baby boy in action. And I was like, okay. And I thought, so what I did is I took a, cause I took apart my, um, uh, my Marwin deck and I put my mana crypt and my jeweled Lotus in my Atali deck. And I went turn one mana crypt, turn one mountain, uh, turn one Jessica's will make seven mana. Cause I was second. Oh, oh. my man's getting hyped for this entrance of Atali because <laughs> that's what happened next. Atali came on the battlefield. Turn one. Turn one, Atali. I didn't have a way of giving it haste. And then Jessup swords the plowshared it. And I, I was like, okay, this game's over. <laughs> that's very sad. Like to get I mean, but it's funny because it's rare that anyone has spot removal in our group. So of course he'd be the one with the <laughs> swords of plowshares. Oh, it's funny. So he waited. He waited till the turn came back around to me, and then um, or like go to combat. All right, swords of plowshares. So I was like, darn. Um, but yeah, Enage was pretty fun. Nice. We'll have some we more. Some stuff works. I'll have some more stories next week because mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to SCG Dallas this week with uh, Wilson and Chris. So that'd be pretty nice. Fun. We'll have to dedicate the entire of next entirety of next week's Untapped to you and your SCG stories. But all right, speaking of EDH, welcome to our newest segment on the podcast. What? And we don't know what exactly to name it yet. <laughs> uh, right now it's underplayed edh cards if you have any ideas for uh what we should name this little segment 
let us know at untappedmailbag at gmail.com or you know, tweet us, MTG Untapped Pod, Facebook, MTG Untapped Podcast. We'll wrap around back to all those ways you can contact us at the end of the show, as we always do. But uh, yeah, so underplayed EDH cards. This is going to be a weekly thing where one of us is going to pitch a card to you, the listener, that we think is underplayed in the EDH format. And the qualifying thing we're doing for this is under 5% on EDH rec. So a card needs to be under EDH, as I say, under EDH percent, under 5% on EDH rec. I'll be going first. And then what we're going to do is I will try to alternate it. So you get a large variety of opinions from people. And uh, if we have someone new on the show, we'll try and get them to pitch a card. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to be kicking it off this week. And originally I pitched this format prior to last week's episode and I was going to say uh, Eldrazi Conscription. But then I was like, no, nah, I have a much better selection that I think is actually pretty... Just because I was like, this card's hilarious. What a Timmy thing to do. Ah, 10-10. Uh, Annihilator. Boom. But, um, this actually, as a card, I think is legit underplayable because I picked one up for um, my uh, Raph Capuchin deck. the My Flash Artifact uh crater hoof style deck that i want to try and make it play more like that all right so we uh i have to stall for time from here for a little bit um so yeah that's the kind of deck i was playing it was a raf capuchin it's like it's all about making all these playing so many mana rocks because the inspiration of the deck was um once that card it was from the kamigawa uh edh the blue white vehicles deck let me just scroll through my scroll. Is that even a word? Through my deck real fast. See if I can find it real fast. Oh, Costa's back. All right, we're fine. We're good, we're good to go. We're good. Cyber Drive Awakener is the inspiration behind this deck. I just want to make a bunch of little artifacts, turn them into four four flyers, and beat face with them. But yeah. So I was looking for more ways of like mass like treasure tokens or something like that. You know what I mean? And so I was like looking. I was like, what's the way I can do that? And I was like, oh. A card that I first saw, because you cast against me one time when I first started coming out and playing some EDH with you, that's Spell Swindle. Ah. It is only 3% on EDH Rec. And I was like, that seems awful low to me. But it's like, some people, it's like, what are the most common counter spells in EDH? Obviously, the first Fierce Guardianship, just because it's free. Counterspell, because it's counter. And then after that is probably Mana Drain. Because it's counter target spell. And then you get a boatload of mana. Wait, wait, you're being funny, right? You don't think that's accurate? Is no, that no, no I was going to say, you, you realize, I, I was being serious, Counterspell is like the number one Counterspell. That's re- that's stupid to me. Is that or is there a place we can see this? Is this yeah. on EDA track? Yeah, if you go to, uh, well, we can do a little tour real quick. So if you go right. to cards, Card, top cards, top cards, and right. then if you look right there, past oh, the yeah, it's like, it's like the fifth card overall. Yep. All right, but you think everyone who's running counter spells because they can't afford a mana drain? Uh, you think if people had budget, oh, no for option. sure. I mean, to to, uh, to be technical, sure. Mm-hmm. But either way, I mean, you go down, right? Like fierce guardianship, a lot of people had access to that too at one point. And no, I mean overall that's correct. But still, the fact that the it's still gates like, on here, the gates higher than fierce guardianship. Yeah, is this all time? Oh, it's past we, two years. And then you can go to like week and month interesting yeah. all right let's go past week i just want to just for my own sanity negate higher that well granted i think this is because i everyone's like uploading arcane denial um 
I, I, I think based on the EDH that I watch, it, those those dudes are running mana drain for sure. Just because like it's a counter spell, and it's like sometimes counter spells just don't feel good in like a casual EDH thing because they're all they're basically doing is like, all right, you can't. I'm playing a blue deck, and I don't want you to have fun. Whereas like mana drain, occasionally it's like I'm countering a spell, and then I'm gonna have this super immense turn. Right. The the turn after. And so, like, when you look at my spell, so when you're like, oh, it's like budget mana drain or whatever, because it's like five mana. I, and, I and that's kind of expensive for uh, that kind of thing. For a counter spell, if it's going to be five mana, it has to be doing something kind of tremendous. See, I've, I've argued pretty hard that actually I just really feel like it's not just a budget option. But in fact, mm-hmm. the, that because it makes treasures, it has applications to tone decks. That's why I'm that you're you're getting ahead of me, my man. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. That's why I'm I'm pinching this card. Oh, you're and, right. And uh, yeah, so first off, it's like in a deck like say my Raph Capuchin deck that wants to make a bunch of treasures. That's really cool. I think even in every generic blue deck, it's like at worst this budget mana drain. But then, like you said, it makes treasures. And the thing with mana drain, you have to wait until your next turn to get that mana, and that mana is colorless. You cast this, your only shields down until the spell resolves. And for an instant speed deck, that can be insanely relevant. And so I think in that case, it's like, it's a counter spell that obviously if you're playing this, you want to be operating at instant speed. So if you're some kind of weird tap out deck, then maybe you don't want it, but then maybe you still do because no, it's a counter spell that will also allow you to have a very explosive turn next turn after you cast it. Cause you'll probably have an absurd amount of mana because people are casting some pretty huge things in EDH. So that's my main argument for spell swindle i think it should be higher than three percent like if you look at its top commanders it's like stuff like galazeth prismari it's in a lot of those decks but it's like it's like these deck or brutaclad probably probably carrying it pretty heavily just because like the treasure synergies that are there but i think when i picked it up and i saw i was like dang it's only in three percent that seems awful low to me especially as like all these like color color hangry color hungry decks like Five colors, it's like boom, counterspell, and it fixes your mana and ramps you. Any arguments for me since I've been playing this card for a long time? And honestly, every time it resolves, I feel like I'm just winning because then I'm, you know, <clears throat> I don't know, casting an Eldrazi or just something massive or whatever. So, yeah. Turning my treasures into 4 4 flyers. Let's go. Yeah, there's that too. Also, I added a tab on our Google spreadsheet. Nice. I didn't, it doesn't look anywhere near as fancy as the tabs that you make. <laughs> That's just because I like aesthetics. I'll, well, feel free to mess with it if you want. Um, all right. So that'll do it for the inaugural uh, underplayed EDH card. The first one is Spell Swindle. Pick them up, I guess. Put them in, play them in EDH. Have a great time. Win your games. Uh, all right. So we're going to have a couple of main topics today. First off, we have a couple... It's going to be very brief. We have a couple new spoilers for Capenna. Uh, yep, still not spoiler season, but I guess it is. Um, actually, but the, the two cards we have are the rest, the, the last two of the charms. I suppose I should look up the old charms too, so we can compare them as we did last week. Um, and then we're going to get into some of these new secret layers that have been announced. Uh, all right. So first new charm 
It is the Riveteer's Charm, which is the Jun colors. So for black, red, green, you get an uncommon instant. It says choose one. Target opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker they control with highest mana value among creatures and planeswalkers they control. Next, you have exile the top three cards of your library until the next your, until your next end step. You may play those cards and exile target player's graveyard. Um, this card's pretty bananas. It's not, it's, this is so much value. Instant speed, uh, impulse draw three. That's really good. Soul Shatter is just a card people play in standard. Um, and then just it's a way to get graveyard hate into your deck and not feel bad. The only problem I see with it, there is not currently a Jund list in standard. You might be able to speak more to this card possibly in other older formats. My main issue is that this doesn't see standard play. It's because it does not currently have a home. However, we do not know. There's obviously going to be about a Jun support coming through here in a little bit with the rest of this set. But I don't have that clear idea of where this card's going to go like I do with Cabaretti Charm. Um, and possibly a little bit of Obscura Charm. But if there is going to be a Jun deck, this sure boy is going to be part of it. Yeah, I think um, in modern, what I like about it is it's a card draw. And Jun, you know, typically is all about grinding them out. So, and there isn't really a ton of card draw um, unless you consider like Tireless Tracker, right? Because it creates the clues and stuff like that. But that's really more in the rock decks now than it is in Jun. Um, so I kind of like it there. Um you know, the exiling a graveyard is always relevant and the, the soul shatter, not so much, but there are times when that's going to be super useful. I mean, you go against Tron, that's a really nice piece Mm -hmm. to have against them because a lot of times, uh, you know, the warm qual engine that kind of sucks, but most of them just have a planeswalker, which is pretty nice. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great charm. Uh, again, the flexibility of these cards are always going to make them very powerful and you might not run a ton of them, but you usually want one in your color pie. So, All right, and to compare it to the previous charm, Jun charm, same mana cost, same instant speed. Choose one, exile cards from target player's graveyard. Deals two damage to each creature, so pyroclasm, or put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. And it's only played in 1% of EDH decks. <laughs> so you might want to pick this. For I'm just kidding. This card sucks. I mean, this the new one's so much better. Yeah, the Pyroclasm is really nice, yeah. but but yeah, the, I mean, Exile Graveyard is fine again as like added on, but two plus one plus one counters is so so low power mm-hmm. now. So, like all three forms on Riveteer's Charm are just like mm, card draw removal, instant on Graveyard hate. Don't get me wrong, there's like a Jun Charm might actually be playable in modern standard. Wait, that's a poor way of phrasing that sense because there's two formats back to back in in current standard i should say because there's there's a lot of weenie decks and however you would just run cinder closet probably yeah but then you have like graveyard hate too i don't know but yeah i think riveteer's charm it's like in terms when we compared to the ones last week i thought they were a lot closer i feel like this is the biggest delta between the two i could agree with that i don't think it's substantial i i wouldn't say it's like substantial but it is larger than the other ones yeah i agree with that all right next up we have broker's charm bant one so green white blue for an instant uncommon choose one target creature you control gets plus one plus oh until end of turn it deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls destroy target enchantment 
or draw two cards. So two is two thirds of an Esper charm that we talked about last week. However, you're swapping out target opponent discards two cards, which is the black element of Esper charm for a punch effect, which is the green. Uh, I'm actually really surprised it didn't put just like a, a straight up disenchant so destroy target artifact or enchantment. I bet you if Esper charm didn't already exist, that's what they would have done. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, however, I, I just think that they could have done both. Like, I think they could have mm-hmm. let, let this one have a disenchant and just leave the other one because uh, that one destroys uh, artifact, right? It's just, no, it just destroys an enchantment. It's exactly the same. Destroy an enchantment, draw two cards. The only difference between this and Esper Charm is Esper Charm, the other option is discard two cards. Your opponent discards two cards. Oh, actual Esper is- Charm. I'm sorry. I'm thinking. Of, yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you thinking of Obscura? Yeah. 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 No, they should have just. Yeah. I agree. They should have just straight up just put it on there. Um, I like the card. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I feel like the punch effect on this one is kind of the oddball in these colors. Um, not that, I mean, it has a green, so the green creatures can always be, you know, outpacing the rest of the color pie, but uh, it just is odd to me for some reason. But the fact that they kind of added a removal to each of these charms, I get why they did that. Um, so the draw two is fine, which is funny. Like I'm wondering if you were going to hear me say, "Oh man, draw two cards." And normally, I'd be pretty happy about it. And as a flexibility, it is great. But um, it, I don't know. It just I'm a little underwhelmed by this one. I don't know why, to be honest. I, I think I am used to the band having a little. I don't know. Band colors just having some reach, and I'm not really seeing it here. My, I think I have a similar opinion of this card to you. Uh, my main thing is I, I'm trying to think of a deck that would want to run it. Because like, I see that, like, cause ma- my main focus when it comes to, like Constructed is standard. And so I think of, like, a blue-white deck. I'm thinking of, like, a control list. And then I was like, when are they going to have a creature that's going to want to punch something? And then it's like, draw two cards. I'm like, it just seems so medium in that style of deck. And then you're like, why am I forcing green into my control list so I can run Broker's Charm? But then I think of it as like, or if I'm running some sort of Selesnia, because there's, there's like enchantment kind of mid-rangey aggressive decks in standard. Uh, there's also like just green-white, more aggro-ish style decks. I was like, maybe those decks start splashing blue because then they have this removal spell that could also double as card draw maybe and has the occasional... I'm trying to think of an enchantment. But not cat card. That's Man, if this thing could blow up cat card, then it's like, hmm. But... Um, but then again, it's, it's like that's why whenever you were talking, I was like, "This should just be like, y'all, y'all know it's modern magic design. This thing now has disenchant on it. Sorry, Esper Charm, uh, you came out too soon." That's uh, another point that that you brought up that uh, maybe that's also why I feel like this one's kind of discombobulated because yeah, in Bant, particular, like I feel like you want a control aspect, like like a counter spell or something. So what if this uh, destroy up had negate replacing the destroy enchantment? Probably make it a lot better, right? I mean, I know that's an obvious rhetorical question, but I'm saying like, do you think that right. would have played well in those colors uh, for this charm? Yeah, and then and, I mean, I think it would make the card better. Uh, but one thing is, like, I feel like this one's like the most um, not really dealing with like a bant style of effect. It's straight up. Here's a green effect a punch. Destroy enchantment. That's the white contribution, and then draw two cards is blue. Blue, sure. And so it's not like it's not like fixated on like this Bant theme. It's figured on 
all right, here's a effect from each color. Yeah. Which I mean, the other ones kind of do like Obscura Charm. It has the blue counter, the black destroy, and the white sort pseudo reanimate kind of thing. Um, I say pseudo, but it's just straight up bring back something, bring back a permanent, I guess. But either way, I'm digressing. Um, it's like the most boring one to me by far. And I feel like they could have done something a little bit cooler. Sure. No, I agree. What is it compared to the old one? Bant Charm. All right. I'm going to look that up. My bad. I'm, I, I, need to go. Oh, I hit caps lock instead of A. My uh, bad. Bant Charm. Bant Charm. Same mana cost. Same instant speed. Destroys an artifact. Funny. Put target creature on the bottom of its owner's library. Good. Counter target instant spell. Hmm. I think this one's Bant Charm's better. Yeah. What was the first ability again? It was. Destroy an artifact. That's the only one that's that, like the other two that are really good. I mean, it's like pseudo exile mm-hmm. effect and uh, counters. That's pretty good. I, I, I'm sort of I'm sort of falling back from what I just said. I think destroy target artifact and destroy target enchantment. All right, those are kind of push. You know, mm-hmm. roughly the same. Uh, the 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 removal effect on ban charm is so much better than just the punch effect. Like this is a this would be yeah. a card that a control deck would run. Because right. it's just straight up removal. Um, however, tar- counter target instant spell versus draw two cards. That's where it gets difficult. That's where mm-hmm. it gets difficult. I- I'm probably still going to go with the Broker's Charm, but it is super close. So, I feel like th- my problem is like I feel like Ban Charm is a card that a-, a control deck would actually want to run, and I still have no idea what style of deck would actually want to run Broker's Charm. That's fair. Yep, that's very fair. I feel like I'm growing as a Magic player. My opinions are actually having some sort of substance to them. I think all right. you're growing too. Oh, thank, thank, thanks, Dad. Um, Dad. All right. Moving on. We're going to be talking about the April Super Drop, the secret layers that they announced. Um, oh, I should just click on one of the, the bundles just because it has all of them listed, shouldn't I? Secret layer. The uh, Mythic Spoiler actually has it laid out very well too. Mythic Spoiler has it? Yeah. Was it under newest spoilers? Yes, sir. Oh my goodness! All right, so we'll we'll talk off with the the big super exciting one. Actually, I should still have this one up because I can so I can give y'all the, the prices. Um, let me go ahead and click on over here. Where are they? What I'm looking for a three pack. Oh, there it is. I'm an idiot. All right, so these will be released on August fifth, and you can begin pre ordering them in. Five days or not? So I have to. I have to do the math. So this podcast comes out two days from now. There's four days, sixteen hours, twelve minutes, eleven minutes, fifty-eight seconds, fifty-seven seconds, fifty-six seconds on the timer. So what day is it? Is it Monday? Yeah. All right. So starting on Monday, uh, the eleventh, mm-hmm. you can start pre-ordering these, and they will are expected to be released on August fifth. And so the first one we're talking about is Secret Lair Showcase Streets of New Capenna Gilded Foil Edition, which has three classic commanders. Did we talk about this on the podcast or is this an off-air conversation we had? No, this was a data mind. So we had a feeling that these were going to be. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we had those two arts that we saw. Yep. So we talked about those two arts that some dude found on Arena. And lo and behold, here's the product they're in. So we have Attractions, Pr- Praetor's Voice. 
and Brea Ethereum Shaper. And we talked about whether or not the other two were going to get uh, the same treatment because they're doing the style of New Capenna. And the answer is no. However, the answer is not all lost because we also get Idris Maelstrom Wielder. Obviously, Wander, but that's not the correct card. Um, yeah, so we're getting all three of these in a dope showcasey looking frame and new art. And, and they look pretty. I definitely, I mean, I'm a super fan of the of the Traxa. I think that one's sweet. I'm definitely going to pick this up because <clears throat> normally I don't make uh, two commander. Like, I don't make a, like, how do I put this? Before, I would not have had two Atraxa decks, but Atraxa can do super friends, counters, whatever. So I have the super friends. Snapperlings. And I want the ca- I want the counters. So, um, Snapperlings. So, oh, that's right. Snapperlings. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> uh the Brea art, I'm not as big on. The Idris is fine, but definitely the Atraxa is super awesome to me. And I'm curious to see how nice these gilded foils are. These might be pretty sweet. And they are only available in those gilded foils for $50. $49.99. 50 smacks. Well, I'm going to pick one up. I think it's worth it. Alrighty. The next secret layer we have is secret layer special guest matt jukes doing art for some lands the we buddy have lands the buddy lands that come in un, they come in tapped unless you control a card type of or a land type of the corresponding colors so like glacial fortress comes in tapped unless you have a plains or an island you also have drowned catacomb the blue black one dragon school summit the red black one rope bound crag the red green one. I suppose I could just said like ally or enemy. What are these? These are ally colored ally. ones. Yeah. Sun petal grove rounds out the five. And I suppose I'll just give you the price on these real quick. 30 bucks. 29.99 yeah. for the regular 39.99 for the foil. Um, I, I am a fan of these. I think for me, I think they could have done just a little bit more in the art. Uh, but I do like the, the borderless and uh, I think the best one, surprisingly, well, so here, let me give you an example. Dragon skull summit. I don't see anything that depicts a dragon skull on a summit of a mountain. Right. Well, I suppose we should describe, they look like they were done MS paint by a five-year-old. I want to go that far, but I can get, I can get the, I'm embellishing a little bit, yeah. but that's the general aesthetic that they're giving off. I mean, and to be fair, like I said, it's missing something. So, like, I think the best one, funny enough, is the Rootbound Crag and the Drowned Catacomb as far as, like, kind of, like, depicting what they should be. And I'm all about that, by the way. I think I've said that before, but, like, I want islands to look like islands and not, like, a you know, <laughs> some water in a, something. Like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're fine. Um, I, I'm not going to buy them, but, uh, I know someone wants these. So moving on, we have secret layer artist series, Magali Villanueva. And this is a, a four card secret layer has mother of runes, classic one drop death shadow, classic one drop and Elvish mystic classic one drop. And then basic forest classic. No, wait, that's not a one drop, but uh- I was smacking yeah. my head because Mother of Runes, again, we got a whole Mother of Runes dedicated secret layer. Oh, but the art on these are really good. It just, I hate yeah, when they waste it on redundancy. Like, 
and that forest oh man that forest is so cool dude like i don't did know did i say mystic did i say land worlds uh i don't know but either way it's elvis mystic so <laughs> It's like the, they're the same card because I was about to say, man, this is the second best Lanor Elves art. I was like, oh, wait, this is Elvish Mystic. No, the art on these are tremendous, dude. Like, these are bad A. Do you think this means we're getting Elvish Mystic back in standard soon? Nah, I wouldn't think so. I want a one drop mana dork. Maybe this means we're getting Death Shadow and Mother Runes in standard too. That'd be pretty neat. It's possible. The, the forest is absolutely gorgeous. These, uh, I mean, they're all gorgeous, but that forest, though. No, that forest is filthy. Filthy. All right, and I suppose I can tell you the prices on these. Same as the other ones. $29.99 for the regular. $39.99 for the foil edition. Moving on, we have Secret Lair Artist Series. Siddharth Chatuverde. I hope I said your name right, sir. We have Concord Crossroads. That's a neat card. World Enchantment Time, baby. Nomad Outpost. That is a magic card. And then Ghost Quarter. Modern Staple? Uh, is this? No. I mean, it, Do you have it's part of modern. It's, it's, it's a card that's in modern. I mean, because like you can use like um, Aven Mind Sensor and uh, the Green Snake to just like to keep doing it over and over again. There's a deck for it, but it's it's okay. Uh, and then we also have a basic island, which actually resembles somewhat of an island. It does. It also, I don't know why, it kind of gives me like a biblical depiction. I don't know what it is, but it's it's interesting. I can see that. Yeah. It's nice. It's real nice. Concord um, Crossroads is interesting. Haven't had a reprint of that since revised um, and currently sitting at $34. Unfortunately, that's it for the value. And what I mean, that's it for the value. I just mean for the immediate value of, oh, this card was once X amount of dollars and we get a reprint because the rest of these are only going to be valuable because of the art on the card because someone wants them, which is kind of disappointing. I, I really don't know why they wasted two, like one land that comes in tapped. Really? It could have been, it could have been a triome, like if you wanted to do that. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the idea was behind this. I really, I guess they really think that the crossroads are going to carry this. Um, this one's kind of disappointing, for sure. This one will be twenty nine ninety nine for the regular, thirty nine ninety nine for the foil. Sell your nomad outpost before this reprint takes their value. I was going to make that joke whether you actually said that it's a worthless card or not. All right. Next up, we have Secret Lair Artist Series Wayne Reynolds. And we have SRAM Senior Edificer. All right, solid commander card. And also in certain uh, archetypes and constructor formats. Balthor the Defiled. What? I never heard. Two, four mana, two, two. All minions get plus one, plus one. Three mana, exile it. Each player returns all creatures that are black or red from the graveyard to the battlefield. All right, this is a hilarious commander card. This is uh this will actually got a pretty big spike when Anastrad came out, um, because uh, it was a zombie and it was like thirty bucks, but it's already dropped down. It's probably like fifteen now. Next up, we have Torbrand Thane of Redfell, classic, classic Eldraine, and then we have Nepala Pilot Exemplar, which was from Kaladesh. Yes. Um. So, Alright, obviously it's like three four legendary creatures. They're dwarfs. Oh I 
get it. Yeah, except that the fact Wayne that Wayne Reynolds is short. Uh, I guess. Oh, that's what. I'm like, uh, does he love doors or something? Uh, something that I wanted to point out. Does that tour brand look very interesting to you, Mister Micah? He looks like a dwarf. He does, but he looks like he, I don't know why it just makes very Lord of the Rings uh, specific dwarf is what I was thinking. You think he's Gimli? He looks like Gimli to me. I'm not saying that he is, but we are getting being racist Costa. Racist or is that prejudice? Sexist? You're saying they all it's look one like of those. Kind of it's one of those is fantasyist. But uh, I don't know. But all right, side side note. Uh-huh. There's I follow Nerd of the Rings on YouTube. Uh-huh. Uh, go follow them if you're into like the the Lord of the Rings like lore style videos. Uh-huh. There's one where he's doing like a history of um like the dwarves, something to do with like Thorin, Oak and Shield or something like that. And he's like putting up pictures of like other dwarves throughout his video, and one of them is literally the art from uh Torbrand from his OG Eldrain art. I saw the comment on that video. I was like, way to work in some MTG art in your video, my guy. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. That, uh, whatever side note. Yeah. So they're all dwarves. Uh, I looked up Wayne Reynolds. He's a British guy. And that's all I can find. Okay. Well, we'll figure that. Maybe they'll tell us later why he was mm-hmm. in the dwarves. <laughs> all right. Yep. So this is the same as the other ones. $29.99 for the regular. $39.99 for the foil. Next up, we have a hilarious, absolutely. Oh wait, I lost my thing. Stop, stop talking, Costa. Wait, start talking. Wait, no. Wait, what? My thing is out of order compared to the. All right, we'll just go this one, then we'll get into the funnier one. All right, secret layer. Just some totally normal guys. We have collector oof, modern horizons, goblin settler. All right, this is just like thing to make people salty uh venge vine uh all right solid card and void winner all right venge vine seems so out of place like these are like some salty cards void winner haha you can't cast your spells goblin settler haha destroying your lands collector oof haha your artifacts don't do anything venge vine ah, beep beep yeah that was that is kind of an oddball uh not Really sure what they're thinking with it. Did you know that Goblin Settler was an expensive card? I could believe. It. I think I thought about picking one up at one point, and I was like, "Oh, that's out of my price range." Yeah. Uh, prior to this announcement, it was uh, market price forty eight dollars. I mean, I, a four mana one one that destroys a land with the GBs. Blink it. Yeah. Heck yeah. Blink. Uh, yeah, that's why I was going with it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, that's cool. Uh, this one already has a pretty hefty little tag to it. I mean, Void Warner is probably like five bucks. I know Vengevine, I just picked those up. They were like ten bucks. Oofs are like four or five bucks. So this one out of the gate has the best value. Unfortunately, it also has art that I'm not too fan of. <laughs> but it's like a very goofy cartoon style art. Yeah. But hey, it is not to be for everybody. So um, mm-hmm. God, that the the Goblin Settler's head just looks like Meatball from... Uh, it looks uh, very Adult Swim to me. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Meatball from... Uh, what's the show? Super... I don't know. The Shake with the damn shake. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know. Yeah. But anyways, 
it's the same deal here. Twenty nine ninety nine for the regular, thirty nine ninety nine for the foil versions. Uh, rounding out the secret layer, we have finally left handed magic cards. Um, this was these were announced on April Fool's Day, and we have a left hand one left handed to say Weatherlight Captain, one left handed Empress Galena, one left handed Geralt's Messenger, one left handed Rograk, son of Roga, and one left handed Garrick color beasts and they are left-handed so it's like they have the mana cost on the left side they have the power and toughness on the left side they have the set symbol they have the set symbol on, on the left, left side. side ah and, but you uh, know what though they messed up they what? so they did correct with garrick in his text box but if you notice uh both sisay and galena their activated abilities and mana symbols should probably be on the left side I, if I was going to fall through with this as a designer. But there are aligned left. But they should. They aren't reversed. Them. They are not reversed. But here's the thing, though, the activate. So like the loyalty ability on Garrick is on the right side. Why can't the activated ability be on the right side? Because then it would just be an, a brain fart to like read. They're still. I didn't say that to, I didn't say that to like flip it, mirror it. I just I don't know. I yeah. think it was a miss opportunity there then there's just mirrored and not left-handed no no because mirrored would be that you have to read that the words and letters would be mirrored so you can't read mm-hmm. it like the like the viscerous here i'm not saying that i'm just saying it could have aligned right to each their own <laughs> <laughs> uh all right there's also uh what are these astrology lands something like that yeah there's a weird mountain with like a rainbowy thing going on and a castle i don't see this one on the actual Secret lair. Pisces? Uh, it's at the very bottom. That's with us. Oh, I see. Astrology lands. Wait, what? 120 <laughs> for Aries? Oh, Aries. That's what it is. All right, it's 30 bucks for five. 40 for foil for five. 120 gets you how many? Four. <laughs> oh, you get five. So you get 25. You get five of the bundles for 120 bucks. So they're basically giving you one for one for free. Yeah, for twenty five basic mountains. That look all right. Oh, and, oh, they also have them for uh, this is Pisces. What yeah. are these islands? Yeah, they have, they have Aquarius, Pisces. I can't remember what else is out, but yep. Yeah. I'm only seeing. Oh, I see them now. I'm seeing them now. They have one for each basic. All right, that will do it for this week's main topic. Do you have anything else you want to talk about Costa? No quick picks today. So as always, if you uh, want to come see us, meet us at juniors comics on Friday, except not this Friday, cause we'll be in Dallas, support your local game stores. Also force world gaming in uh bash is still going strong, but if you're out there, check them out. And as always check out Alpha strike gaming. If you want some competitive pricing on singles, they will deliver to you. Micah, take us home. What did you think about what we talked about this week? Sorry, that's my wrestling trying to get it on. Ooh, Adam Cole versus Christian Cage. Let us know on Twitter at MTG Untapped Pod or on Facebook, MTG Untapped Podcast. And if you have any other ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about, shoot us an email at untappedmailbag at gmail.com, including what you think we should call our new underplayed EDH staple car dealy doodad. Uh, let us know that also at that 
all those avenues. Also, if you'd please uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it and rate and leave us a review, we'd appreciate that tremendously. But that will do it for this. The 64th episode of the MTG Untapped Podcast. I have been the Micah. He has been Costa. We will talk to y'all next week. Later. Man in tights wins.